Hey, welcome back, Midtown. Thankful to be with you again today. Uh, today, I'm really excited because this is going to be one of my uh, favorite interviews that we've done. I'm here with one of my dear friends, Tim Hood. Hey, uh, me and Tim, we've worked together in the past, worked through a lot of things in the past. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, we're also going to talk about the state of our nation and the nations. Um, Tim, you've been a special part of my personal life. And I'm thankful to share this time with you, man. Yeah, me too, Jay. Thanks for inviting me to yeah. join in this conversation. Yeah. So people don't don't know you. So tell them a little bit about yourself, your background. Yeah. So uh, my wife Janet and I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, about seven years ago. Uh, before that, we worked for the International Mission Board for 14 years, serving in North Africa and the Middle East. Uh, we have three kiddos, uh, two middle schoolers. I cannot hey. believe that, and um, a third grader. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Another on the way? Thinking about it? Nope. No? No. Nope. Okay, okay. We're fully transitioning into grandparent territory. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm so. you know I'm on number four. I know. Yeah. Right. Poor Shannon. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, on a, on another note. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Quickly. Let's continue. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh you're you're on staff at uh, uh Shepherd Staff, actually. That's right. Or you're you're a minister there. Uh, tell us a little bit about Shepherd Staff. What are they doing right now? Yeah, so Shepherd Staff is a missionary support agency. So we don't actually send missionaries, though. What we do is we partner with local churches to send their own people as missionaries. So when someone feels a call, a tug to the nations, and, and they contact us, we're like, well, great, but tell us what your church is doing and help to funnel them back through the church. We provide the support, the infrastructure, the funding stream, that kind of thing. But we really want the church yeah. to be the one that's in. That's the pattern that we see in the book of Acts, that the church sent Paul and Barnabas out, and we want to help churches do that. Yeah. So our desire is to come alongside churches to do yeah. that. So, I love yeah. I love the, serving with you, seeing your heart to send people to the nations and watch people actually give their entire lives to the gospel movement around the world. Yeah. It's really inspiring for me personally, too, just to watch that. Um, as a minister of the nations, what would you say that you're most excited about in 2021? Yeah, so we heard entirely too much about unprecedented days and the heaviness and the tragedy that was COVID-19. And we all have experienced that in some way. But as God does, he always takes what the enemy means for evil and uses it for good. And, and COVID-19 is no exception to that. And so we have found around the world that God is awakening people to the gospel, not just in spite of COVID-19, but even because of it. So he's awakening the nations. There are all kinds of opportunities, new and exciting opportunities to leverage tools, even like these kinds of online chats to get the gospel further faster. Yeah. That's wildly exciting. But what I'm most excited about is that COVID really became a great equalizer for everybody. Missionaries have been worshiping this way for a long time with their home churches back in the United States or wherever their home country is. And now we've had to do that too for the last year and things are starting to, to certainly open up for us. But what it's also doing is opening up people's hearts as they have had to count the cost of following Christ in maybe a new way, maybe not in a way that is super exciting. Their name's not being penciled into the Fox's Book of Martyrs, but for them it was new and for them it was awakening. And for them it was a deeper, richer glimpse of God's activity around the world, but in their lives too. So you would think that more people now would be like, hey, I'm, I'm not going overseas, but actually the opposite is true. We're talking often to people that are saying, hey, because of COVID, I realized all this stuff that used to matter to me doesn't matter anymore, right. and I want to leverage my life for the sake of the kingdom. And so that yeah. to me is wildly exciting. It really, like even on the other side of that, it really is 
seems like there is so many, there's like a line drawn mm-hmm. and it's, it's very, a clear line of demarcation. It's like this side or this side, mm-hmm. you know? And you can see it pretty clear yeah. of which side you want to be on, mm-hmm. you know? And you're making decisions. And another side of that, of what we're all experiencing is, uh, I, what I'm seeing is sides are being chosen. <laughs> right. And in choosing sides, there's also a, a view from this side to that side as that is my enemy. Mm, yeah. I'm against that person. You chose that way and I chose this way. We're, we're no longer on board together. We're not moving the same. We're enemy, really. And we've been walking in um, just kind of defining what the church is as a whole at Midtown. And we've said that we want to be a church that we're a part of, a kingdom movement growing together by loving God and loving the world. So what is our role as the kingdom of God to display God's love in this world where the line has been drawn and this is what it looks like to live out love where everybody feels like, oh, that's my enemy because you chose a different way than I'm choosing today. Tim, one of the things I love about you is I think you're one of the most gifted teachers of the word that I've sat with. You, the way you can just open up the word and, and teach it with such clarity is such a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's why I asked you to come today because we're talking today about uh, what it means to love our enemies. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted you to open up the word for us a little bit today and help us uh, get a glimpse of what does the scripture teach about loving our enemies today? Yeah, thanks, Jay. And there is such a sense, I mean, even like in the news this week, we're watching Jews and Palestinians duke it out on the street. Um, we, we have been watching throughout the weeks politically as Republicans and Democrats have been duking it out on the media or in the halls of Congress or even in neighborhoods or on social media. So like the tension that we're feeling globally is, is palpable. And in the same way that we just said God uses these things for good, the enemy is absolutely right. determined to yeah. wreck our lives and, and precisely in this area. Jesus said that people would know that we as Christians belong to him by the way that we love each other. Right. And so the enemy's highest priority is to keep us from doing that. But you guys, as you've been walking through what it means to, to be a church that loves, that loves God and loves others, that is so it is so central to the gospel because it is from that that everything else rises and falls. I mean, Jesus even said that, that the greatest commandment is to what? Right. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself. And sometimes, because we don't fully unpack or define what that means, we end up just enduring one another yeah. or tolerating one another yeah. and calling it love. Right. Or like I, I didn't, you know, like duke it out with you, or I didn't, yeah. you know, you have a different opinion, and, and I didn't, you know, let you have it. So somehow that feels loving, and, and that's right. more like apathetic. It's more like, and that's the opposite of love right. too. And so what Jesus, as he's okay. talking about loving our enemies, like that just goes to the core of our heart because it really proves our love. And in Luke's gospel, he records this teaching of Jesus that really outlines us. And it's really familiar passages and the different gospel writers have a different take or perspective on the same idea. But Luke chapter six, uh, beginning uh, in verse um 26 uh, says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. So Jesus is just right out of the gate saying to those of you who would hear. So we often talk about, particularly in the missions world, the great commission is to go everywhere 
and make disciples. And Jesus says, what does it mean to make a disciple? It is to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them everything I've commanded. But but it, he doesn't just say to teach them. He says, teach them to obey, yeah. to apply. And I can't think of a more critical passage or idea to apply to our lives mm-hmm. and to love God and, and love others. Right. But the proof of our love is in this verse that we would love our neighbors. That is so contrary to who we are as people. Right. Sometimes it's contrary even to who we are as Christians, and it shouldn't be. This is what sets us apart. It has to right. set us apart. Right. So he goes on to say, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the, ch- the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, don't withhold your shirt as well. Like these are radical ideas. Mm-hmm. It was radical to the people who would have heard Jesus speak right. them in a context where the Jews were held captive by the nation right. of Rome and they were persecuted by the Romans. They were um, oppressed by the Romans. And yet Jesus says mm-hmm. to them, you're supposed to love the people that are doing this to you. Verse 30, give to everyone who asks, whoever takes what's yours, don't demand it back. And just as you want people to treat you, treat them the same way. And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive something, doesn't matter. Unbelievers do the same thing. But then verse 35, but love your enemies. Right. So here's the deal. When we think about love... And the Hebrew word for love is similar to the English word for love in that we say, well, you know, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my country, I love my church, I love pizza, I love sweet tea. Right. Like we use the word love right. so flippantly mm-hmm. and so interchangeably, but the Greek doesn't do that. And so we really have, and I know you've been, you guys have been walking through the different ways in which Greek uh, expresses the word love. There is this phileo love. Right which is friendship love, it's love of common interest, but then there is agape or agapeo love, which is godlike love. So if, if, if I love you because we share a love for UT football or because we share a love for hiking or because we share a love for travel, those are common things that, from which we can build a relationship. Right. That's not wrong or right. bad. It's just insufficient. Right. Because love, agapeo love, godlike love, says that God loves us whether we love him back. And that's the way we're supposed to love other people. We're supposed to love them whether they love us back or not. Well, in whose life is that demonstrated more clearly than our enemies? If I'm loving my enemy, I have absolutely zero expectation that they're going to love me in return. Why would they? They're my enemy. And so that is exactly the, the demonstration that we see. Paul even talks about this in Romans that while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. So he's proving this over and over and over. And so it's really easy to, okay, well, so this sounds like, you know, a living Hallmark card kind of moment, like bumper sticker theology. Yeah, love your enemies. That's, but how do we do that? And that's where the plane has to land. But, but again, Jesus outlines that in verse 35. Love your enemies. And how do we do that? We do good. We lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So the first way that we love our enemies is that we do good to them. Yeah. And we do good for them. When we think of the word love, agapeo love, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Again, a verse that's maybe too familiar in some ways. But 
But the idea of agapeo love is that I'm going to love you in a way that I'm going to do what is good for you, even if it's not necessarily what you want. I mean, uh, though, if we knew what God knew and saw what God saw, we would have wanted salvation. At the time that Christ died for us, we didn't even know we were lost. We didn't even know that we were enemies of God or separated from him. So we weren't asking for salvation, but God knew we needed it. So he gave us what we needed. And often in the lives of our enemies, um, doing good to them is identifying for them. What is it that they need? What is it? And, and right. they need reconciliation with God. Right. They need grace. And, and so let's just unpack that for a second. Yeah. Like, why is anybody my enemy? Right. They're my enemy because I've chosen to believe the worst about them. They're my enemy because I've chosen not to forgive them. They're my enemy because I disagree with them about something. Like they're my enemy because of a choice I have made, Hmm. not just that they have made, but I have set my heart or my soul or my face toward them in a way that is negative, in a way that is divisive, in a way that is fractious. And and that often has nothing to do with my behavior. Sometimes it does, but it always has to do with my heart. Right. Often people that are my enemies are folks I just avoid completely. That's true. And doing good for them means that I proactively engage with them. I know there's a million ways to set boundaries and to do that in a healthy way for people that have been in even abusive situations or or toxic situations. But the point is that we do it. We do good. Second is that we bless them. Now, bless is not just, you know, simply giving some kind of greeting or a, hey, how are you? A blessing is that we are, again, are believing the best for them, that we are pursuing the best for them. There, there's so much action in this reconciliation. It's it's helping them dream new dreams. It's helping them see blind spots. It's helping them to be reconciled potentially with other people. And the third way that Jesus outlines is that we pray for them. Yeah. And so as we're thinking about how do we do good to them, how do we bless them, we can only do good to them or bless them if we're praying for them. And, and the reason that we pray about anything it's not because we need to update God about what's going on in our lives or update him about a particular situation or how awful another person is. We know that our sovereign God sees it all. He knows it all. The reason that we pray is to align our hearts with his. Right. So like the person that I am so frustrated at, frustrated with or angry at or that I have a broken relationship with is one for whom Christ died. So he feels very differently about them than I do. Yeah. Even if they are also his enemy. Yeah. So because good. God has the capacity to love his enemies. Right. And he is desiring to supernaturally love them through me. So right. our kids, we have this, this joke. I, I told them I, as they were getting ready for school and we were talking about some difficult situation with some kids at school. And I said, you know what, guys, today you get to be superheroes. So go ahead and get your cape out of the closet. Go ahead and wrap it around your neck because today you're going to be a superhero. Mm. Because you're going to get to love these people that have been unkind to you. And you cannot do that in your own strength. That is no. a supernatural thing that God has got to love them through you. He's got to bless them through you. He's got to do good to them through you. So this is a supernatural endeavor that you're embarking on. Right. So you're a superhero. Right. Like that's actually not possible in our own human strength. Right. It is only possible by the divine power and presence so of God. And as we pray, as I'm praying for someone I'm furious at, as I'm praying for someone that I would deem an enemy, and God starts to tell me how to pray. Right. Because isn't that really what we're doing as we're praying? We're also listening because Scripture says that the Spirit is interceding for us with groanings that are too deep for words. As, as I start to hear even how the Spirit is praying for me and I align my heart with those prayers, suddenly I'm praying differently. I'm yeah. feeling differently. 
I'm blessing differently. I'm doing good differently. And all of a sudden I look up and the person that I saw as my enemy isn't my enemy anymore. And sometimes it's the differences as we look at somebody across the table and I see the difference in you. It's what makes me uncomfortable about me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I want to draw that line and I, I want to be around people that look like me, feel like me, act like me, talk like me. And, you know, just frankly, like when I first met you, it was a little bit like that. And I know we had talked <laughs> right. about that, but yeah. you kind of felt we the same. We have a complicated story. past. We do. We right. do. You wore sweater vests and I didn't. I'm right. You know? I know. I'm a professor. You're <laughs> right. a juvenile delinquent. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's those real differences. Like when we both understand the word, we both have received the love of God. And so as we get to know each other more and more and we choose this way, because right. naturally, like outside of this, me and you, we're not hanging out. Right. Or we're not. You're probably not going to be friend with me. I'm not going to be friend with you. Right. And we'll be okay with it. I'd be okay with it. Right. But what I found is like when you choose this way, it seems like a harder way, a worse way, you know, mm. a more inconvenient way. Right. But sitting here with you now, as we have worked together and walked together and I would say uh, labored together endured together Mm. kept going you know uh through the places where it felt harder Mm. um on the other side of that is something that is birthed by the spirit of god through obedience to what he said to do there is the blessing even when you don't feel it at first right because on the other side of that is grace right and so when we think back to the moment i mean i so i will never forget i never will forget that moment in 1997, when I was standing in the woods at Berry College, where I went to school and gave my heart and life to Christ. Like, I'll yeah. never forget that moment. Well, I cried out and I said, I cannot do it anymore. Like the moment that I was reconciled to God and the grace that flowed through and the life that I experienced and the peace that overwhelmed, I'll never forget that. Right. And when all of a sudden we are experiencing, so that was massive, yeah. this macro experience. But on the micro level, when that is happening relationally, particularly with brothers and scripture, brothers and sisters with whom we're supposed to live out the scriptures, right. like that is a, a glimpse of the kingdom to come. Because right. that same grace that we experienced back when we said yes to following Christ and being his comes alive again. Right. It, come, it comes bursting forth yeah. again. And we're experiencing it again. And we're not just experiencing it, we're extending it. Right. It's the experience of that life of Jesus. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I think we forget how far from God we were. That's right. And so then we forget how much grace we needed. Right. And then how much grace we should give. And again, Jesus tells so many stories about what it looked like for people to be ungracious in the grace they had given. I think it's so profound. Like just even what Jesus says, as, as somebody strikes you on the cheek, you offer them the other one because is that what you need? Right. Do you, is that what you need? Is that best for your life? Right then I'll be that for you so that you encounter this love that he's invited us into. And uh, one of the things that we, we talk about at Midtown so much is life groups like that, that walking, that consistent choice of walking together uh, in laboring in relationship and not just hanging out together, but like moving in obedience to what, what Jesus invited us into, which was teach others to obey the same truth. Like that's a, that's a bear at times, you know, but it's that life group experience where you endure and you get to receive love and then give love. And then it's the tangible experience of the gospel that we talk about every week that like, I didn't love God, but he chose to love me. That's right. And then he endures with me and never leaves me. What a profound idea. 
And outside of the power of God, that's absolutely impossible. And it's not happening outside of the spirit of God. And so um, it's just that tangible experience through our life groups that I'd, li- I'd love to just encourage you. If, if you're not a part of a community at all, I want to invite you to do that. You can go to midtownknox.org and you can connect with us there. And we'd love just to connect you with a community in your area. And I encourage you to do that because it's just a tangible experience of the message we talk about. Tim, um, would you add any other thoughts today to, um, to, to this message today? What would be your encouragement uh, to us as we hear and receive? Like, What's your encouragement to us? A final thought. Yeah, so Nelson Mandela is, is credited with saying this. Maybe he, he did. Maybe it was a million other people. But that bitterness is drinking poison mm. and waiting for your enemy to die. And the other side, like as we are loving our enemy, which does seem so countercultural, which does seem so counternatural, that we're not going to, uh, that we would like specifically and intentionally put ourselves in the position of being, having to turn the other cheek, having to give our stuff away. But the other side of that is freedom. Yeah. Like, so extending that grace, showing that love is good for the person that receives it, but it's also good for us. Yeah. Because in that moment, we're experiencing the grace of Jesus and we're experiencing the his power and presence in our lives that, that may be different and deeper and richer than anything else we could possibly know. Yeah. So yeah, it's a gift to the person who receives it, but it's a gift to us too yeah. because we get more of Jesus. That's and that is eternal life. Man, when we take that today and when we take it to heart, uh, who in your life today needs to experience the favor, the kindness, the grace of God? Who needs to experience that? Do you have them in your mind? You probably do. So what do we do first? Uh, would you pray for them right now? Would you ask God for his divine love to fill your heart for them? And uh, would you uh, just begin to pray right now, right where you are? Offer that name to him. And then uh, would you move in response to displaying that grace to them today, immediately, like right. we talked about. That's right. And today, uh, is today is the day. Today is the day. And uh, on the other side of today is another day. And as that continues on and on, I believe then we have a little bit more of this kind of experience that you and I have been able to have today, man. And so, dude, it's such an honor to sit with you, man. So thankful for you. So thankful for you as you join us today. And uh, we look forward to being with you guys next week.